You are now listening to Abstract Thought. This is a podcast where artists and creatives sit down and discuss some of their journey through art, some of their business through art, and just key developmental moments in their process. And today I'm sitting down with none other than Mark Maggiore. How you doing, man? I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. I've uh, been a really, really big fan of your stuff for quite some time, and I'm I'm really honored to be sitting down having a conversation virtually with you. Um, Likewise. You've, you've produced some really, really astonishing pieces of artwork, and um, if I guess before we get too far into the conversation, if you can let people know sort of where they can find your artwork, be it a website, a social media channel, just kind of plug that first so that as we're chatting, people can sort of see more of what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can Google my name, Mark Maggiore, um, M-A-G-G-I-O-R-I. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on Google. And then, uh, yeah, I've got an Instagram, Mark Maggiore, and uh, i got a website as well, markmaggiore.com. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how they can find my work. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds, sounds good, man. Um, I guess to first start off, I'd like to just chat a little bit about some of the really early years prior to, you know, painting or, or really much at all when you're just a little kid, um, you know, where did you grow up and how did, um, how did some of those early years sort of frame kind of the stuff that you do today or some of your creative interests? Well, still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Fontainebleau. It's a small town, uh, like an hour south of Paris in France. And um, had a very quiet childhood uh, with, you know, nice parents that were both teachers. Um, and so yeah, it, was, uh, it was cool. I was, you know, playing soccer and doing skateboard. And uh, grew up very nicely. Um, so, yeah, and I didn't really have any sort of interest for art. I was drawing. That's the thing I was doing when I was a kid. But it was like I was drawing my favorite anime characters and stuff like that, like every kid's are doing. Um, but it really, um, yeah, nothing much happened before my 20s in terms of art um before that it was just yeah like seeing things here and then and of course all all skateboarder kid back in the 80s was into you know graphics and stuff because the skateboard uh industry had such a cool you know approach with art and every every skateboard had some really cool art piece in the back and so it's really something i was into um when i was about like 10 11 you know that era we're talking 1988 19 you know, right before the 90s then you know when the 90s hit i kind of like i i dropped skateboard around when i was 15 i, I was not much into the whole street stuff and, um so yeah um but then yeah I, I i went to art school uh later on um when i was about 23 or something like that what prompted you to um not skateboard anymore is just you kind of saw some of the the physical cost that comes with skating well, at, on a higher level or yeah i mean as you you might know the the there's been generations of skateboarder and i think i was you know like the mid 80s um generation when we were when i started we were doing still slalom and uh, and then I was doing half pipe a lot, and and there was some banks and stuff like that we were doing. Um, but when it started to become more street, then it was just a bunch of you know 
stuff on the sidewalks and I, I i don't know for some reason i was really attached to the house pipe and um and in my hometown there was very few kids skateboarding and and when you know early 90s i think when we were all turning about 13 14 um you know the the house pipe closed down and then they so we were always skating street and this started to get some like drugs and stuff like that and i was i was i was afraid of this kind of um and so i kind of like stepped out because it, it was not my thing and uh i started you know i i fall in love at that time with a girl and um she was into music and led zeppelin and rock and roll and stuff so i started to play guitar and i wanted to please her and and you know um really got into music and i completely dropped skateboarding at what age is this if you don't mind me asking? Uh, like 15 uh and it, it actually when i actually uh as correspond to my first trip to the united states with my uncle uh we did a cross-country road trip and it's funny because I was, yeah, I was kind of dropping skateboard, but I was still, you know, the fact that I was always dreaming to come to the U.S. for skateboarding when I was 10, 11. And so all of a sudden at 15, I was kind of done with it. But then here I come to the U.S. So I remember still like being in, you know, I, I, I bought a pair of Airwalk in San Francisco and kind of wanted to check out the spots that I, you know, I wanted to check, even though I was not skating anymore much, but uh, still it was very exciting to be here and uh, to discover the whole thing in real. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was the time where kind of a switch. And um, again, like I say, I really discovered Led Zeppelin at that age and, and it really kind of brought me to a different route um, into music big time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I'd like to just kind of second that as well. I, I grew up, even growing up in the States, I haven't traveled a whole lot, but from what I have traveled, and those are trips that it's huge just for anybody to travel across the States or kind of anybody from their current locale. It's, it's always eye-opening traveling. And I was going to ask prior to that trip, had you gone and traveled around your like your hometown area and some of the countries around there previously yeah no that that's the thing it's like so first of all it's always good to remind the new generation that you know and i was i was talking about that the other day uh, that we, we didn't have the same window on the world um like when i was a kid then then kids have now when they can google earth everything and just like see the world they, they have youtube video of everybody around the world so that I don't think kids nowadays, and I've been traveling with, with my older daughters and, you know, and even like nephews and stuff, they, they're not impressed of, of going abroad as we were. Also because the, 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 I feel like, so when I was a kid, if you would travel to America, nothing is the same. The cars were different. The stores were different. The product in the stores were different. And you would travel to, you know, anywhere. Nowadays, I can go to Seoul or fucking Tokyo, take a picture of like a car without showing the license plate and the building in the back in a store. And I can tell you this is San Francisco. You would believe me. But, you know, and that's kind of sad because it's like what, you know, the, the world's being kind of washed out to like a whole big corporation when, you know, back in the days when I was a kid, it was mom and pops and shit. And so it was just yeah there was a very like 
for me at 15, uh, going to America for the first time, especially growing up, you know, watching skateboard VHS and stuff, it was mind blogging. I remember like landing in New York and just like seeing the little carts that were getting the luggage out of the plane. They were different. Everything. I was like, shit, I'm entering in a movie because for us French, you know, everything coming from America was, was movie looking because we were just, you know, watching movies and everything came from Hollywood. So it was very, very crazy for me. Was, and um, so I'm, I'm really happy, you know, it happened that way. And, uh, and I, I'm very, very, very nostalgic of, of that era, the pre, pre-internet time. <laughs> Even though internet's great, you know, we were doing good stuff. But it's just, uh, there was something about uh, the world before that was very more um, intriguing. It was more yeah. like mystical, a bit more like kind of underkept to where when you discover things, you felt really like truly special, you know. And I'm sure, oh, your, for sure. your trip across the States, you probably had, you know, and, and if you know any of them off the top of your head, sort of substantial moments that as your trip progressed, you're like, Oh, I didn't even know this was here. Or this is, this is crazy. This is really inspiring. Oh dude. Like, I mean, again, like I said, for me coming to the U S I had no idea what my uncle had in store for us. And, you know, that was me and my cousin. We were, you know, two teenage boys. They're like, Oh yeah, let's go to America. But we didn't know exactly. And my uncle, the whole freaking trip, he wanted to show us, you know, where, Native American come from where you know all this and it was very you know very amazing from his part to like um, display all this for us and we really had a a large vision of of what United States was from New York Chicago and we went to like you know Colorado we went to Monument Valley we went to Canyon Shed we went to Las Vegas and we ended up in San Francisco and so it was very very and to me, like, honestly, Monument Valley, the Grand Canyon, I had no freaking clue where I was going. And again, like, if you're 15 years old, we were like, what the fuck is there? You know, there's nothing. Is it going to be like a store we can find some Nikes? Or no, today we're not seeing anything. It's just rocks. And we're like, oh, no. But then, you know. 15 years 20 years later when i got back to the Grand canyon that's pretty when the whole thing happened and it's like <laughs> all of a sudden you're like wow and it, it circled back and and i i i would never thank him again enough for you know bringing me there at a young age because it, it definitely shaped my my vision of of everything and my love for the west and all that so um yeah it's very grateful for that trip that's awesome, man. That's really cool hearing that backstory. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what prompted your your uncle's interest in one just traveling the U.S. and two, you mentioned he like had a an area of interest wanting to learn more about the Native American history. You know, where where did he get some of that information from that you know kind of piqued his interest? Well, um, I mean, I, I don't exactly know where, where he came from, but I mean, my uncle was like uh, a very famous graphic designer back in France. Uh, he was, you know, working for the biggest magazine. And again, we're talking about a time where newspaper were a big deal and, you know, big agencies. And so he had, he was very successful at what he was doing. Um, and he was traveling a lot to America for his job. And so 
I think he had spent, before we go, he had spent two years in New York working on a magazine. And so he was probably himself very uh, excited to actually go west and, you know, check things out. And the fact that he took us in his luggage was a big, you know, it was amazing. And I'm, I'm, us- I'm, I'm using this for my personal, you know, I'm trying to like get my daughters everywhere I, I can and show them things and, you know, hoping that one day this will echo because yeah, like, you know, like 12 years old, 13 years old, when you take them to any place, like most of the time they don't give a shit. I mean, it looks like they don't give a shit and, and all they care about is their friends and you know how they are, but, but you have to do it because it, we all know that we all have such sweet memories of whatever our parents or uncles or did with us when we were kids. And, and even if we were bitching about it back then, it's there. And so I very, uh, yeah, I, I put a lot of importance to that transmission to the kids. Yeah, that's huge, man. And even I imagine your uncle probably could have said at the time, yeah, Mark and, you know, his cousin don't seem that excited either at the time, but it's kind of cool. Fast forward all these years, you you really hold those moments near and dear. That's, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, for sure. Sweet. So you mentioned some of like your musical interests early on. Um, So me being kind of a metal fan myself, I'd actually heard of your band previously and had listened to some of your music and yeah, tell me a little bit more about some of your music background. Um, you know, because I feel like these days you're very well known as as a painter and as an artist, but you know, you're very multiple disciplined in music as well. So, you know, what's what's some of that background like? I'd love I'd love to hear more. Um, well, as far as no, um, I I I mean, I was telling as I was telling you, I started you know playing guitar when I was fifteen, and I really got into it, like really, and I became pretty good like um playing all you know the 70s bands like hendrix and deep purple and all that i was really into that and then of course you go from there and then it was the whole pearl jam time and and then from pearl jam starting to listen to more metallica and sepultura pantera and then started to get harder and harder as it getting older and um and then we started the band when i was probably like 18 and it was like you know like a high school band college band kind of thing and it was fun we were doing covers and trying to like compose but i wasn't the singer there was there was a friend of mine that was singer and then of course after a certain time everybody you know some of the band members wanted to you know spend time studying focusing on this and all that so we kind of split and so it was just me and my drummer, and uh, there was other folks in the, all the cats in in town where I was living that were into music, and one was a good guitar player, and the other one was a good bass player. And, and at that time, I was like, "Well, let's make a band, but I'm gonna sing." And I was not really a good singer, but I knew I could rap because French is very cool when you rap. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to play with the words and um, when singing is harder because the way we pronunciate words are very more, the mouth closed most of the time. Like a French person can probably speak with his mouth closed when English is way open and all the sounds are super open. So it's way easier to sing in English than it is in French. Also the way, you know, Americans say things, it's always sounds cool. And 
when French, you always have to fucking be like, okay, why did you say that? That's not smart. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, fuck. So <laughs> rap was easier. So we started a band. I was really inspired by Rage Against the Machine. And that was that era. It was like late 90s. And, um, and we decided to sing in French. And so that made a really big difference with everybody else because all the kids in France were inspired by American bands. They were singing in English with their shitty accent, not even understanding what they were talking about. And I kind of was, you know, already, I was seeing already that that that's not going to bring us anywhere because, you know, French kids, if they want to listen to English, they're going to get the original bands, the, the ones from America. And so there was no way we could compete with that. So like, if we want to kind of make something, we need to find something unique and singing in French would make us unique. So it was hard at the beginning because when you don't have any reference, um, you know, you never know if it's really good. And so <laughs> when a band start, you know, and you, you sound like, you know, Metallica, people are like, oh yeah, you get it feels good to sound like at the beginning. But for us, there was nothing like that because it was like, oh shit, okay, so this is it. But it went really fast and, and we started to have a lot of kids come into our shows. And in about a year, we signed a contract deal and, uh, and, and, um, and we became pretty big for uh, France and we toured in Japan and in Europe and we never came to the US because of the language barrier. And uh, I think, you know, American um, fans are not ready for listening to foreign band as especially French. I mean, all by the time, like we couldn't. We played with all the American bands possible. Every time they were touring in Europe, we were playing with them, uh, you know, uh, supporting or same festivals. And every time we had such great feedback and everybody was like, why you guys can't, don't come to the US? And we're like, because we can't find a deal. Like uh, nobody wanted to release a French band there. And if you're not, you don't have a label, you can't tour. So it was kind of, you know, we never came uh, in the States, but uh, it was fun. It was fun. And we did that for 10 years and uh, we had four albums. Uh, we were signed with uh, uh, Sony Epic. And, uh, and then we dropped in 2006 because I was really, 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 really planning to, to move to the US. I, I was, it was calling me really hard. Um, How so? Like, what, well, what prompted because that the, interest? The, well, because I went to art school in the same time I was in the band. And um, I had a lot of opportunities of work stuff and that I kind of dropped because of the band. Um, you know, I was I was going to work for the Disney studio. And so they, I did a bunch of internship there and they really wanted me to work for them. But they wanted me to go to the U.S. to work here in Burbank on their art our direction department and so and i didn't want to leave friends because my band was so big and we had so much fun and so you know i turned that down and then you know a bunch of jobs that i couldn't do and and a lot of things was always like oh because i was i was uh, directing things to or directing my band's music videos and and uh, sony the label was giving me videos to direct because i always had like this kind of like i was doing storyboards and so it's kind of yeah, it was a fun time. I had a lot of stuff going on in France, but sometimes I felt like, you know, the music thing was great. We had fun, but after four albums, I felt like I, I wanted to do something else. And, and I was like, yeah, maybe if I go to Los Angeles, uh, I could find jobs out there as, you know, video director or, and so I wanted to try it, you know, like the, the American dream is always like such a thing. And, um, and so I, 
kind of in the same time um, met a, uh, I was married, but then I met a, a woman here and it became kind of crazy. I fall in love madly and I try to like, it was a crazy time. We're talking about 2010 and um, I directed a, a feature film uh, that we produced with French people and we shot in America. And so that was the beginning of me being here all the time. And um a beginning of a love story and trying to divorce is this crazy time, man. It's like early thirties and it was wild. <laughs> it sounds like you had a whole lot going on back then, like directing, you know, I can't imagine what being in a band and also being in art school. Like I, no, this I mean, was nuts. Sounds tough, like I have man. no, I, I have no idea how I pulled it off, especially because we were touring pretty much every weekend. We had, gigs everywhere around and um and i had school on friday and saturday morning and saturday morning was an important class because we had you know academic drawing class and it was like a six hours class in the morning and i don't think i missed one i was always in the night train i would take a train or flight first hours in the morning or right after the show take a train get to the station sleep in the train and then get straight to class or go home, grab my stuff, go to class and then take another train back to meet the guys somewhere in another town. And, uh, and so during the same time I was in class, the boys were fucking partying. And, and when I come up, when I come back, some would be like, Oh, where were you? I just woke up. Thank you. Fucker. I just had a, I just had a whole thing. <laughs> I took 12 hour trains. I went to class for six hours and here I am. And you're, yeah, you're like, <laughs> bro, I've been staring at these still lifes, painting them and drawing them for six hours. You guys been wilding out. But you have to be 20 to do that. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no way I could do it right now. It's just so fucking wild. But um, yeah, I'm happy I did it because it was very, uh, it was good for both sides. You know, like when I was in art school, I always had like a different vision from everybody else because I also had the like music side of it. And, and with the band, I used my, all the training I had and all the, you know, we were doing a lot of uh, marketing, visual marketing and stuff like that in graphic design. And so I used a lot of what I learned from great teachers we had um, to like promote the band. And, um, and I, you know, I still use a lot of that uh, now as a painter, um, all the stuff I learned back then and, you know, marketing and all that. Yeah, that's huge, man. I, I have a, I wouldn't say with music a parallel story, but um, I have like a background in like painting graffiti. And when oh, I was yeah. going when I was going to art school, it was kind of that same type of a thing. Like, you know, we're out all night till four a.m. painting, and then waking up the next day and having all of our art classes. And you know, in the middle of school, yeah. I'd leave to go paint at some spot, and then I'd come back covered in paint, you know, to do my other classes. <laughs> and it's just like burning the candle at both ends constantly. It's yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's a testament that we were able to even pass with decent grades whatsoever, to be honest. I know. And we, really, I mean, for me, I don't, for you, because you seem younger, but for me, all that without a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. We didn't, I didn't have a cell phone. Honestly, at that time, there was one cell phone in the band. That was my DJ. He had a cell phone. Everybody was like, whoa. But me, I didn't have a cell phone. So it was all just going. Uh, old school 
<laughs> see awesome, you guys man. tomorrow, 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to watch. You're like, I'll see you guys when I see you. Exactly. It's kind of cool somehow. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk about as well, y- you, you have this fascination with the American West. You go there when you're 15. You know, now, now that you're back in the States doing some work here and, you know, you said you were doing a music video with some, with some French partners, et cetera. Um, when you look at the landscape of people who've painted these American Western scenes throughout history, you know, there, there's a number of very um, established and well-known painters, whether they be American or not, that have, have tried to depict these like really majestic Western landscape scenes and, you know, like the, the cowboy Westerns, the native Westerns, et cetera. What is it like, you know, entering into a field like that that's been, I mean, some of the people who've done this stuff are astounding. You know, there's probably a mm-hmm. lot of pressure that comes with like, man, what, what do I even have to say? How am I going to, you know, yeah. produce works that are a step above these or, or, or take these histories from these previous painters and do them in a new light? Like, you, you know, what is your approach as you start doing some of that? Uh, honestly, I didn't think I didn't think about all that. Um, I just discovered, you know, the the painting that were behind the West, and um, as a Frenchman, again, I I didn't know any of that until I don't know. I discovered all that around 2011. I was already, you know, spending a lot of time here, and I, I wasn't um, a permanent resident yet, but I was uh, I was there all the time. And that's when I discovered, you know, the paintings in Oklahoma City. And, um, uh, you know, as I, I had pursued a, a whole art, you know, journey already through my uh, school and, and all the other things I did. And I, some, I did some, like, attempt to paint oil um, portrait stuff, and, you know, when I was um, a little younger and after art school. And it was not very convincing. But then when I discovered, you know, Remington and, and all those those guys you know dixon and um edgar Payne, and it really blew my mind and i i it was like opening a it's like you were i was what i was like 35 and you, you discover something that you never just and that speaks to you so much because we discover shit every day we see things on social media every day but you know there's never something that touches me deeply i'm like oh that's cool and then you go to the next thing but then one day something's hitting you like a fucking train and it's just, uh, it was crazy when I, I remember, I will remember forever when I, I was at that museum, the, their Cowboy Heritage Museum, you know, called my city and, you know, seeing all those paintings on the walls. And I stayed like three hours in the same room, just like, it was wow. And from there, I was, I had a feeling I could, you know, do something and, um, but I didn't know what, but again, it's like, just do it and see what's up. And, you know, if it's not good, just um, put it in the trash and move on. But um, I had something inside of me that was telling me there's room for you in this whole thing. Like, you you know, so it was a good time, probably good timing. And, um, and so I just started and, and the rest is history. Awesome, man. That That's so cool. Um, when you did come to the States and you're either traversing or just studying some of the American West, where did some of your interest in like the, uh, some of the native history here and, you know, portraying the natives in, in a way that 
maybe they would wish to be portrayed given the, you know, storied and difficult past of how a lot of that's been handled here in the States. Like, I, I, I don't really know how I'm asking this question so much as like, I think your approach on the native story here and representing that in a, in a beautifully stunning and elegant way is, you know, I have tremendous respect for that. And, you know, I imagine there's a lot of forethought that goes into that consideration, whether it be, you know, the subjects chosen, et cetera. Um, I guess, how, how do you define your angle in some of that? And have you sort of networked within some of these um, Native American sectors of, of the states yeah. and kind of befriended yeah. some of these folks? Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It's a good question because it is a very, very, very delicate subject, uh, which I had no idea as a Frenchman. So I pretty much entered in the house not knowing who's living in it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. Um, but so at the beginning, my interest was the West was the cowboy. Seriously. It was, you know, because I was, I was collecting vintage clothing and denim and I started, I had a phase of like, you know, denim hunting and, and so this like kind of brought me to some rodeos and, you know, like I was going to Texas, Louisiana, like Arizona, trying to find like like old stuff i was really into old stuff and so that brought me yeah to like go to ranches and you know meet a lot of people and but when i discovered the paintings then i was like fuck this is everything i you know do and you know i had so many polaroids rodeos and stuff already so i was like i'm just gonna paint those because you know painting is more interesting to me than photography photography is just a step it's just a way to like grab a moment and it's great for that, but it, it wasn't enough. Like I, I need it. And I always liked drawing and painting because it's, it's something, there's something more to it for me. Um, so I, yeah, I started with Cowboys and of course, after a little while, people were like, Hey, why don't you paint native Americans? And I was like, well, because I don't know any at this point. And I, right at the beginning of, of my career, I actually, because I was very fan also of, of uh, the work of Edward Curtis. And so I did a few copies of his pictures when I really started to kind of train and, you know, look at, you know, lights and shadows and stuff. And then I did a, a photo shoot of a friend I had because I wanted to make my own reference. And my friend was um, Asian, but he had long hair and kind of could look like a, like a native American. So I took pictures of him and, and started drawing him and I had no idea. So I posted some of the, it was really the beginning of my Instagram. We're talking 2014 and I posted a, a picture of the, the photo shoot. And there was a, a girl that became a really, really dear friend, uh, Leanne, and she was following me already. And she saw that the guy was Asian and she's Apache. And she met, she, no, she didn't even message me. She wrote me a letter to, to explain to me that this is not how it's done and that I, I can't do that. Like, I, I mean, I can, but it's not good. So I really, took it seriously and i had no idea again i apologized and i sent her back you know a drawing and a, another letter i wrote her back and say that i'm sorry and i for me you know a model is a model and and you know it's what was important was the pose and all that but 
But then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, you know, some people don't care. I'm sure some guys just use whatever and then they make it look like a Native American if they, but to me, it really strike me. And I was like, okay, I understand the, the history and there's a wound in this country that hasn't been healed yet. I don't think so. Um, and the subject is, is among us. And I, I, I don't think we, we can start, you know, the subject here because it's, it's very, it's very crazy, but yeah, my, my, as a foreigner coming from another country, that's my conclusion. It's like, I think there's a lot of work to still do to get to a, a point where it's gonna, we can really move forward. But anyway, so I was like, okay, because it's so delicate, I understand her point. And I think if I'm going to put it in the Americans, I need to meet them. I need to understand them. I need to know where they come from, all this, and then I can paint them. So that is why for years, um, I'm, I didn't paint Native Americans. I was just doing cowboys. And I kept having people saying, oh, it'd be awesome to see you doing some plain natives. And I was like, yeah, but uh, yeah, not now. So then I ended up, you know, going to, um, uh, to Kansas and I met uh, Moses Brink Plenty. He's a, he's a Lakota. And so that was my first encounter with a really interesting guy that had so much cool things to talk about. And um, so I, I took photos of him and I did a few paintings with him. And then same thing, like Taos was like something that, you know, has been portrayed in history. And you were talking about, you know, the, the, the painters before us that really killed it. And I think the Taos crew was like insane back in the 1900s. And, and it was the same for me. I was like, I'm not going to paint Taos style uh, if I'm not going to Taos. So that's why we moved to Taos. And I, I was saying to my wife, I'm really, um, something is calling me there. I really want to go there. And so that's what we did. We, we moved to Taos and, um, and I, I, I met a lot of cool folks, uh, not, not thousands of them, but like some very, very, very precious and interesting people um, who, you know, shared, shared with me their, their story and, and uh, allowed me to uh, picture them. And uh, that made me understand a lot, like, the politics and all that, uh, being there, um, made me realize, yeah, how far we are from a total, uh, peace. And, uh, so yeah, sometimes I get, um, uh, people are, are, you know, pissed and write on my things like, uh, well, who are you to, you know, paint native and make money on their back? And I'm like, um, that's not what I'm doing. I don't need to paint natives to make money. I could paint anything else. I'm, I'm painting natives because, I think there's there's still a lot to do to um, um, kind of like share their traditions and um, painting them and also sometimes in a traditional way and showing the way they wear and they are and how beautiful they are. Uh, and if those paintings end up in museums and stuff, then the kids will see them and then they understand the story. And then we, we, we never forget, you know, because that's, it's all about memory and, and the importance of like, why, why do we think that there is museums for everything? There's a museum for the Holocaust. There's a museum for, you know, because it's, we have to remember things to not make mistakes again. You know, I wish Putin will hear that right now because, you know, it's like we had World War II. We had, so why do we do over and over? Because people forget that, you know, history is sometimes not enough to remind people the shit that happened. And I think, you know, the Native Americans being, 
you know, the Lords of the Plains 200 years ago is nothing in the history of humanity. So there is still, and we forget things so fast because we see so much stuff. And then there's even like Americans, people that I meet that they're not aware of like anything regarding to Native American culture. They don't know anything. Some some are like worse than like a French guy, but even I mean even in France when I'm in France and you you know for French people uh, an Indian's an Indian they they don't some know but most of them don't know the different tribes different things all the history and it's a very difficult history to understand like you know the the Indian wars and in this time of history you know manifest destiny and it's such a mess to even understand and again we were not there so. We're nobody to judge. We're just here nowadays, and I'm just trying to do this. <clears throat> and and yeah, in Taos, we we decided to um, open a, a fundraising program for the Taos school for the kids. So they have every time I sell something that shows a Native American, I put money towards the account, and so the teachers can come and and ask us for a project like they want to take the kids to the Chaco Canyon so they need three thousand dollars they get a bus to get this and this so boom there's money and the kids can go and then you know now that COVID's dying uh we're gonna organize classes I'm gonna give art classes there for free we just go we teach the kids and we can we bought so much art material already stuff that they can use to paint to learn and my hope is that some of those kids if they're exposed to art through this and maybe they'll paint their grandparents uh you know and they'll they'll have the because art schools in america are very expensive and you know i i I see how it's you know it's like if you don't come from an artist family or if you don't have parents that are rich enough to pay for art school you don't get exposed to that and so who knows you know in those kids maybe there's picasso maybe there's you know they just have to be exposed to art so that's what we do and that's how i kind of like try to you know utilize my uh interest for media american culture and that's it that's huge man i I love that story that's you know being somebody who i I live in indiana which is like midwest us and it's yeah i know it's a shame that even the name of our state indiana like there's people who live here who have no understanding of previous tribes who inhabited this land hundreds of years ago and like it's all just cornfields now and warehouses but really like there's a very long storied past here that you know the people who were displaced from here ended up in Oklahoma and so like there's just there's so much to know and I think that that's you know your paintings are a beautiful talking point to help share some of that story and you know I think it's great that you do use native um native models and you take them out and you have shoots and, you know, speaking of some of your fashion interest as well, you know, some of the pattern work um, of the native Americans is, is super intricate and interesting as well. Um, you know, is, is some of the fashion, does that sort of seep its way into some of your artwork as well? Or like, I oh, guess, yeah. are you sort of creatively directing kind of like, oh, okay, let's put this garment here, drape this, this direction. And like, you're kind of crafting a scene as well, just to kind of shoot, for your mm-hmm. reference photo, correct? Yeah. Well, and, and it's the same as everything. It's like you can, you know, when I started, I had no idea of anything. Like if I would have paint, you know, a Native American, uh, I would have used an Asian model and I would have put a blanket that was made in Mexico to make him look like a, I could have done that. Like, right. honestly, because I didn't know. 
because you think, oh, this is what it is. But then once you start understanding things, and I have a friend like Chris Ferguson from Trusted Stiller Gallery in Taos, who's like a Wikipedia of, of narrow textile that helps me. You know, I'm like blessed to have people like that in my life because when we go on shoot, we bring in textile that are like, that belong to the region where we would shoot. And we're like, oh yeah, this blanket could have been in this valley because it was trade in this valley and this blanket is from, you know, this era and this thing. So, and we're going deep like this. And when, when you see a pattern on my paintings that the guys are wearing in Taos, it's, it makes sense. It's a hundred percent legit because, you know, we, we work with the real people that actually, help me being accurate and that's super important um so yeah this is it's again it's it's a whole it's a constant work to like keep things on and, and up and um i'm i'm really stoked all this is, is happening the way it happens definitely man I, I i agree it's been you know i followed your work for a few years and it's 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 been cool to see how things have changed over just the course of a few years, be it subject matter or, you know, the different places you've painted. Um, yeah, it, it's been super duper neat, man. And, and Thank you. I also think it's cool when I, when a fellow metalhead, you know, does things cool artistically on the side. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. This, I, I, this I can't help, you know? And uh, yeah, so it's funny. Uh, if you're, if you're a fan of metal, I have a fun story to tell you. Sure. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the time, but uh, I don't want to forget. Um, so you know the band Gojira, right? Huge fan. Huge fan. Okay. All right. So when we did our first album, um, 1998, um, we were touring everywhere in France, but in very shitty condition. We were in a van, and um, but we, we got pretty famous very quick in the metal scene you know because we were you know the magazines in france were supporting us and all that so everywhere we would go there would be like kids that were waiting for us and super cool so we get to the south of france um that day we had a show in the evening and uh there's a the guy of the venue is like we arrived there at 2 p.m the guy's like well we didn't sleep much uh maybe us coming back from class whatever and uh so the guy at the venue is like, well, there's some friends of us. They're a very nice country house right there by the venue. If you guys want to go crash there, they're, they're cool. There were so musicians. Um, you can go there and, and, and hang out. So we went there. We were so tired. So we fall asleep downstairs. They had like a, a kind of a basement situation with couches. Very cozy, very nice. So we all sleep. We woke up around 4 p.m. We had to go do a sound check, but we had an hour. So... There's two dudes with long hair that are here, like, yeah, that's our house. You know, super sweet guys. One, they were there, they were our age, and one was younger than us, obviously, way younger. He was probably like 14 or something. And they're like, yeah, we have a band too, you know, with us where we are sold place. So they show us, they have gears and stuff. And we're like, yeah, we're, we can play you a song because we're big fans of yours. And, you know, we'd be so stoked to show you what we're doing. So we're like, okay, go ahead. We honestly didn't give a shit. And so we sit on the fucking rehearsal and Mario, 14 years old, sat behind the drum and they, they start fucking sending hell on us. We 
they 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 played one song and all of us just like stay there <laughs> at the end of the song they're like so uh, how do you like it and we're like uh <laughs> well maybe you guys shouldn't come see us tonight you know we don't need you to see us play <laughs> we went back and and they were actually good so they came to see us in the evening and so that was good Jira. And they didn't have released any album back then. It was just, you know, there was just a, a garage band. And they, they were, were just, they a, were just young and scrappy back then, huh? Yes. And, but they were so much better than us already. And, uh, but it was incredible. So it was very, uh, yeah, very humbling experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought you'd like the story. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen them many a times. They, are are they from France as well? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they're hundred percent French from the south, and they're yeah, the sweetest, sweetest people. I mean, to a point where you know I haven't seen Mario the drummer in like so long, and um, I saw recently that they were playing with Deftones in in Colorado in April, and I just sent him a, an Instagram message, and he answered me in ten minutes. He's like, oh, Mark, what's up? You know, he's like, it's like, yeah, of course, come on. And so it's just, uh, yeah, they're super cool guys. And they never changed, even though they became the biggest band in the freaking world. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. man. That's that's hilarious. Yeah. You have a little uh, insight into them when they were youngins. That's that's classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah classic for sure. <laughs> that is classic, man. Yeah. I have one last question for you if you have yeah, time for sure. it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So one thing I like to ask kind of each guest is to, you know, it's, it's easy to sit and talk about all the cool stuff we do as artists and all the exciting, you know, beautiful stuff. But, you know, I feel like as artists, there is a sense of this existential, you know, dread and, and, and there's some difficult years in there for sure. So, yeah. you know, from all of your creative endeavors, what would you say were some of the uh, toughest times of hardship you've had to kind of suffer through and, and come out of? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, we, we, every day again, like you said, I think there is moments in, in an artist's career where there's ups and downs in terms of, of creative and art energy. And, um, I have to say that when I started painting Western, I was completely, I wasn't thinking I was every day was like, boom, 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 boom. Just paint another one, another one. I just wanted to paint cowboys, horses all day, all the time. You know, now it's been seven years um, and I'm now thinking a lot more. I'm creating my paintings. I'm, I'm questioning myself when I wasn't before. Now I'm like, you know, is it interesting enough? Is it good enough? Am I, you know, am I talking about this? Is that that? Blah, blah, blah. So I got in a place where now it's, yeah, it, it's more intellectual. And because I've done it so much, I'm, I'm not on the same just free will that I was before. And so that questions me. I'm like, do I need to change completely my subject? Or is it just normal? Like everything in life, you know, when you become a parent, you're over the place. And then, you know, when your kid's 10, you're a parent. And, you know, that's just normal. And you think of different things and other problems. So for everything in life, you know, if you start, a, if you start riding horses, the beginning, you write all the time. And then you write differently. You question yourself differently. So it might be normal, but that's something that I, I now completely consider every day. I'm like also 
probably want to, after my show next year, I might take some time on my own to actually try other things. Uh, there's other things that I'm excited about that I want to try. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to say. And then the other thing, I mean, I think the hardest time in my life, because again, all this that I'm talking now is, is actually good problems. It's not, you know, I'm not struggling or anything. It's, it's, I think it's normal to question yourself, to want to be better. Um, but no, I, I think I struggled more when I, when I really was trying to move to the U.S., uh, being a director in France uh, and arriving here in L.A. and realizing that nobody gives a shit about me. And, uh, you know, I, there was so much more people that were better and more, you know, connected. And I realized that the movie industry is a complete closed world and if you don't know anybody or you just, you know, it's not going to work. And uh, this had been a very tough time of like disenchantment. Like I really fell from a building when I, I was full of hope and like, yeah, you know, cause in France I was directing, you know, videos for the best artists and, you know, people liked me and I had lots of like agencies working with me. But then when I arrived here, I couldn't find anything and nobody cared. And so it's very, that, but I, again, it, it was very good because one problem leads you to a solution. And my solution was like, what do I do when, you know, what can I do that nobody else does? And I was like, well, I guess painting is my, is my thing. And I've never, I've never wanted to admit it, but maybe now it's time to admit it. And it's a different lifestyle than being a Hollywood director for sure. But uh, I guess maybe that's me. And, um, it, you know, that, that, that revelation arrived at 35 and, uh, I think it was good. Beautiful, man. That's well said, dude. Well said. I think all artists aspire to have, you know, important revelations like that, that can help kind of nudge them along to where they, where they'll keep going. That, that's, yeah. that's great. Exactly. Dude. exactly. Well, Mark, cool. this has been fun, man. I, I really appreciate the discussion and, uh, yeah, me too. Excited to see more stuff that you that you put together and paint, and I think it's great that you're you're donating some stuff to some of the the native areas and trying to get them some art supplies, and that's, yeah. that's stunning, man. Cool, man. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the least I can do. Definitely, buddy. Well, cool. appreciate All you. Right. I'll uh, I'll we'll let you know done. when this gets published, yeah. man. For sure. Sounds good. All right, Mark. Bye-bye. See you. Bye bye. Ciao.